And as you're being seated today, I want to say welcome to you. My name is Steve. I'm the lead pastor here and so glad that you can join us. And whether you're in screen one, if you're over in screen two or joining us online today, I want to say thank you so much uh, for being with us. Um, at this time, I actually want to, there's Jesse. I want to bring Jesse up here. So Jesse Larson is, uh, has been our director of Ignite Kids for the last five plus years and uh, has just done a tremendous job with our, with our Ignite kids, bringing um, systems, organization, communication strategies, family events, ways to connect families, not only uh, to the church, but also to each other. Uh, it's been just this amazing uh, thing. And uh, uh, right now, actually, uh, Jesse is pregnant. So um, yeah, so we're excited about that. Baby number two. Um, so they have uh, Zeke and now uh, baby coming. Do you guys know what you're having? Nope. So this is, whoo. Yep. All right. And due in uh, beginning, of April. beginning of April. So beginning of April, uh, baby's coming and uh, becoming a, a family of four that way. And uh, during this transition, this big spot in life, uh, Jesse and her husband, Eric, have decided that this is a great time for them to transition other places of their life. And so uh, Jesse's stepping away from the director position of Ignite Kids. And uh, they'll still be part of the church and still be uh, coming here, attending, being in their, in their groups. Um, but she's going to be stepping away uh, from that role. And so today is actually her last day as director of Ignite Kids. And so uh, we want to say thank you so much to you and all that you've done. Um, Ignite is better um, because of your leadership uh, in that area. And so if, if we can, we're just going to uh, say a prayer uh, of blessing over uh, Jesse today. So let's pray. Um, Heavenly Father, thank you so much for Jesse. Thank you for her leadership. Thank you for her enthusiasm. Thank you for her great skill, um, her willingness to work, and and in through the many transitions of Ignite Kids, her adaptability and desire just to see uh, people come to meet, know, and love, and follow Jesus. And so, Lord, I pray now as she's transitioning into full time. Uh, uh, being at home. Um, Lord, I pray that you would bless her richly uh, and her husband, Eric, and Zeke, and the baby. Um, and so, Lord, I pray that as this, this time uh, transition before baby comes, that it would be smooth, that the, that the birthing um, goes well, and that there's no complications. And Lord, that you would just walk with them and deepen them in this time. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Can we give a round of applause for Jesse? So thank you. She has done a tremendous job, and uh, she had to work with me. Uh, so uh, pray for her healing um, during this time as she transitions on. Um, we're going to continue on now in our, in our sermon series in the book of Matthew. We are in chapter 14. Um, and so this is where in chapters 13 and 14, we're seeing the message and the kingship of Jesus start to come into clearer focus, right? And so it starts out as kind of a broad um, declaration that Jesus is king. And now as we continue to move on into the book of Matthew, it starts to get more and more clear and definite. What does that mean that he's a king? What does it mean that he has a kingdom? Who is a part of that kingdom and who is not. And as he is getting more clear about his messaging and sharper in focus, um, that is becoming clear, but so is the opposition to his kingdom. That is becoming more clear as well. We see uh, religious leaders rejecting Jesus, making plots to destroy Jesus. We've seen uh, governing officials kill someone who was in the ministry of proclaiming Jesus. We've, we've seen a lot of pushback in his hometown. And, and so as you're seeing this move forward, um, 
Jesus's message is getting more clear. His opposition is getting more clear as well. And yet in the middle of it, Jesus is undaunted and he's unwavering in doing what he came here to do. And that is to seek and to save the lost to seek and to save the lost. He's on a rescue mission. And, and today what we're gonna see in the middle of all of this is Jesus's attitude towards us as people and, and, and how does he interact with us. And so we are going to be talking about that today. And the main idea is this, Jesus's compassion brings satisfaction. Okay, Jesus's compassion brings satisfaction. When we see Jesus's compassion on display, it satisfies us. Jesus's compassion brings satisfaction. Um, the BB Warfield said this: that out of all the of all the emotions and all the motives and all the things that are described and ascribed to Jesus in the biographies of Jesus, the the four biographies of Jesus, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Okay, all of those share stories about Jesus and tell of his. Uh, work on this earth. And, and, but he said that the emotion that is most frequently attributed to Jesus is compassion. Of all the emotions that we see of Jesus, we see him the most as compassionate. And I think that's truly amazing. This is God in the flesh, the king of the universe, and compassion comes in at number one on the list. So often when I invite people to church, they say, well, I don't know, I might walk in and the lightning bolt might strike me, right? Because God's not pleased with me. And, and I say, well, it used to be a movie theater, so I think you're gonna be okay. And, but we have this idea, right? We have this idea that God is perpetually disappointed in us and just is looking for reasons to smite us. And what we see is that God is very just, yes, but he is also extremely compassionate. And compassion is defined as a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who was stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. I'm gonna read that again. Compassion is a feeling of deep sympathy and sorrow for another who was stricken by misfortune, accompanied by a strong desire to alleviate the suffering. Or as I like to say it, your heart goes out to someone who's hurting and you want to help them, okay? Your heart goes out to someone who's hurting and you want to help them. That's, that's compassion, right? Compassion is recognition of someone else's trial. You see that someone else is hurting. You see that someone else is suffering. So part of compassion is actually to see other people in their situation, and your heart goes out to them, and you, you are compelled and desire to, to go to action to alleviate the suffering that is happening in them. And that is the attribute, that is the emotion that is, 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 is most often ascribed to Jesus, that of compassion. And that is exactly what we're going to see today. And so we're going to be in the book of Matthew, chapter 14, and we're going to start with verses 13 and 14. So Matthew 14, 13, 14. All right, here we go. Now, when Jesus heard this, he withdrew, from there, uh, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. But when the crowds heard it, they followed him on foot from the towns. When he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and he had compassion on them and healed their sick. So the first thing that we see about Jesus' compassion is that he sees people. He sees people in their plight. He sees people in their affliction. But it's a really interesting way to, to start out today. It says, now when Jesus heard this, heard what? 
When Jesus heard what? What, what, what did he hear that made him want to go away? And that is, he heard about the death of John the Baptist. That's what we talked about last week. And so what we saw last week is John the Baptist, he was the guy responsible to go before Jesus, declare that Jesus is coming. And when Jesus showed up, he said, that guy that I was talking about, he's here. That was John's ministry. And John also stood up to um, a governing official because of his immorality and his affair with his brother's wife. And, and, and because of that, because he spoke out about that, he was thrown in jail and ultimately beheaded. And the disciples of John took the body, buried it, and then brought news to Jesus. And he says, brought news to Jesus. Now, when he heard this, okay? So verse 12 talks about they're talking to Jesus. And now when he heard this. John the Baptist is a cousin of Jesus. He's a contemporary of ministry. He's, he's the one who baptized Jesus. And when Jesus heard that John the Baptist was dead, he withdrew from there in a boat to a desolate place by himself. Have you ever gone through difficult things and you just really wanted to be alone? You just wanted some time to sort things out? You needed time to kind of process the grief? Jesus says when he hears the message of John the Baptist's death, he gets into a boat and he goes to a desolate place. He goes to a place where no one is so that he can go and be by himself. But Jesus, at this point, had been preaching for some time. He's been healing lots of people. Then there's miracles that have been happening. And so Jesus has garnered rather a large following of people that really want to hear and see Jesus. And so when they see that he is on the move, and he's in a boat, and he's going across this body of water, he's getting to a place that's just alone for a while. People hear about it. They look at his trajectory and go, we think that he's going to end up here. And the crowds leave their towns, and they go up, and they show up on the shore in the middle of nowhere. And as Jesus gets out of the boat, he gets to a shore, he saw a great crowd. He saw a great crowd. That means there's a large amount of people. Although I suppose it could have been a great crowd too. Like, hey, this is a great crowd. But I think what they're talking about is a large amount of people. It's a large amount of people. It doesn't say anything about their attitude. But it's a large amount of people, a great crowd. And Jesus, Jesus is in the middle of suffering. He's in the middle of grief. He's in the middle of processing this. He's in the middle of knowing what's coming. The, the cross is coming. He's, he's knowing all of these things. He sees what's happening and he's like, I just need to be alone with my father for a while. It said that often in the scriptures, it says Jesus would go to desolate places as was his custom. And so before he chose the 12 disciples, he was alone with the father all night long. He often withdrew to desolate places so that he could commune with the father. And when he gets to his desolate place, he finds that it is no longer desolate, but filled with a massive group of people waiting to hear from them. And it says something truly remarkable. It says, Jesus has compassion on them. In the middle of everything that Jesus is going through, he sees people. 
And he sees their plight and he sees their sickness and he sees their troubles and he sees them and he has compassion. His heart goes out for them and he's moved to act, to alleviate suffering. It says that he has compassion on them and he goes and he heals their sick. What an amazing God we serve. So often our enemy, Satan, wants us to believe, in the, and there's certain cultural narratives out there that they want us to believe that God is aloof, that God is distant, that God doesn't care, that God doesn't care about you, that you're just here to sing a praise to him and he's gonna go, that's what I expect, and that's it. Or that, that there's a belief out there that God is like this cosmic watchmaker, that he would put all the pieces in place, wind it up, set it to go, and then just leave and not interact with his creation. But what we see in the scriptures, that's not, that's, that is a lie. That is, there's something, something greater than that, that Jesus is God in the flesh. He interacts with us so much that he would take on a human likeness. He would put on flesh. God is in the flesh. He is near us in the middle of our suffering. He was moved by compassion when we were dead in our sins and trespasses. And he has compassion on these people as he sees them. He sees their plight and he heals their sick. And this was a great crowd and there was a lot of people. And so he continues to heal people late into the day and his disciples are starting to take note of this. And that there are needs that need to be met. There's things that need to happen. And so they bring those things to Jesus and Jesus is going to address them in verses 15 through 18. Now, when it was evening, the disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place. And the day is now over. Send the crowds away to go into the villages and buy food for themselves. But Jesus said, they need not go away. You give them something to eat. They said to him, we have only five loaves here and two fish. And he said, bring them here to me. Jesus had gone into solitude, right? Like he wanted to go away. He got into a boat. He was going to a desolate place because he wanted to be by himself. There's the big crowd. He has compassion on them. He starts to heal them. And there's a great crowd. So there's a lot going on. And as this is happening, first off, he's healing their sick. That's amazing, right? And all this stuff is happening and that's good. And people are hearing about it. But as this wears on, the disciples are starting to come to terms with the reality of the situation, the reality of the situation. Number one, there's a lot of people here. Number two, it's getting late. It's getting late in the day. Number three, we are in the middle of nowhere. This is a desolate place, right? This is a desolate place. I have no idea why I think of an empty gravel pit when I hear desolate place, but that's just what I think of. Probably wasn't that but just in the middle of nowhere, right? They're, they're out in the middle of nowhere. It's getting late. There's a lot of people here and we have no food. We've been out here all day. It's getting late. Jesus, here's what we need to do. We need to close up shop 
You know, I know we got a little bit of a line here, but you know, if we can maybe cut it off at this spot, we can close up shop, right? We can wrap this thing up. We could tell everybody that Jesus loves them and you could say, I do, right? Like we can, like, we could wrap this up and then, you know, what we could do is we can send people into the villages. That's what we'll do. We'll send people into villages to go buy food for themselves. They can go buy a meal. It's getting late. And Jesus' compassion goes even beyond healing their sick. He knows they're hungry. And so he says, they don't need to go anywhere. You feed them. To which I'm sure the disciples at this point are having a conversation, right? Because there's a great crowd and they're like, how much food do we got? Like Jesus wants us to feed these people. What do you want me to do? I don't know what you want me to do. You want me to talk to them? You want me to talk to them? I'm not going to talk to them. All right, I'm fine. Um, so, hey, Jesus. Um, yeah, about that food thing. Um, we have five loaves of bread and two fish. Um, in another uh, gospel account of, of this, that uh, says that it was a young boy who brought his lunch up. And, and Pastor Chase would say it's about the size of a Lunchable. Okay, um, right? So it was like, it wasn't a big thing. It was like, okay, we got, we got a TV dinner here. Um, there's a lot of people. I don't know how we're gonna feed all these people. And Jesus says something truly amazing. And I want you to hear these words and I want you to never forget these words. Jesus says, bring them here to me. Bring them here to me. There's an impossibility before them. They have limited resources. And Jesus says, bring them here to me. Anytime God calls you to something and you're like, but I'm just this, or I don't have enough this, or what am I going to do with this? And Jesus says, bring them here to me. Buckle up, because stuff about to go down, okay? Like, when Jesus says, bring them here to me, you know things are going to happen. You know things are going to happen. So Jesus is gonna take care of the problem. Jesus gave the command you give them something to eat and he's going to give the provision by which to do it. Remember that where God calls you, you won't lack God's provision to do what he's called you to do. Matthew 14, verses 19 through 21. Then he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass and taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing. Then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples and the disciples gave them to the crowds and they all ate and were satisfied. That's an important word, satisfied. And they took up 12 baskets full of broken pieces left over and those who ate it were about 5,000 men besides women and children. Jesus's miracle in this is that he took these limited resources and multiplied it miraculously. And they were able to eat and feed 5,000 men besides women and children. And there's so much here to dig in and pick apart and observations that I made in this. And so I'm really excited to just geek out on this scripture with you guys this morning. Because it, first thing he says is he ordered the crowds to sit down on the grass. 
I love that. He had them sit down. There's two really important reasons why you would have a large group of people like that sit down. Number one, it's orderly, right? 5,000 plus people, right? Like it's not out of the realm to say 10,000 because women and children, right? Like that's not outside the realm of possibility. Large group of people, he says, has everybody sit down. That brings order. That brings uh, structure from chaos. There's this mass need and Jesus starts to organize it and be able to minister to the people without like a rush or a riot or a long line. He says, have them sit down. Number two, the really cool reason why he does this is because now the disciples get to serve them. The disciples get to serve the people that he has had compassion on. This is a pattern that we're going to see in our lives. As disciples of Jesus, he gives us food to serve other people. He gives us the resources to serve others. And that's exactly what he does here. And he serves them and he feeds them and he feeds them until they are satisfied till they are satisfied, that Jesus sustains and satisfies his people. They're satisfied. They're not just, I got a little snack to tide me over. It's not like a packet of crackers that you're, you know, some lady took out of her purse and handed them back to you when you were at church. It's like, I don't know, just keep the kid quiet. You know, it, it, wasn't, it wasn't the bag of peanuts at the plane, right? They ate until they were satisfied. They didn't hunger anymore. They were content. They were at rest. They were at ease. Can you imagine being the disciples? Five loaves, two fish. He says, bring him here. He starts, oh, he says a blessing, starts tearing it apart, and there's more bread than there was before. And they're like, okay, we'll just start serving people. They start serving people, they come back, and there's more bread there. We're like, oh, okay, right? And there's more bread, and there's more bread. Are you guys hungry? There's more bread. We got plenty. Suddenly, we have plenty. And then Jesus says, after they feed the mass crowd, he says, you're gonna need to pick up the leftovers. And they're like, leftovers? Take a basket. And they all go out, and the leftovers are 12 baskets full. And there are 12 disciples so each one of them has like this basket full of bread as a reminder that God did something truly remarkable in their midst. You feed them and they have, a, they have an abundance. <laughs> they have an abundance left over. I enjoyed school growing up for the most part. Um, but one thing I always struggled with was math. I was never really good at math. I was really difficult at math. And actually, I still struggle with math to this day. I was, I was, I was not math good, okay? I was gooder at English, but I wasn't math good. But what I love about the math of the Bible, what I love about biblical math is this. I love this equation. Five loaves plus two fish plus Jesus is more than enough. Five loaves plus two fish plus Jesus is more than enough. It's more than enough. And Jesus fed everybody 
Men, women, children, fed them all and fed them till they were content and they were sitting in the grass. Can you see this picture? It's like sheep grazing at the end of the day under the care of a good shepherd. And they were eating until they were satisfied. And why? Because Jesus was compassionate on the crowd. Jesus's compassion brings satisfaction. Jesus's compassion brings satisfaction satisfaction. And so as I was looking at this today, and I think about like the implications of this, the, the, the lessons learned, the principles that we see, there's some things I want to point out. Number one, Jesus is never too busy to meet with you. Remember that, Midwesterner. Well, I don't want to bother Jesus. Jesus is probably too busy for my problems. When Jesus got to the edge of the shore and what he wanted was desolate place and and some solitude, what he saw was a group of people and Jesus didn't roll his eyes. Jesus didn't get angry at the crowds for wanting to be near him. He had compassion on them. Jesus is never too busy to meet with you. Take great comfort in that. You're never going to bother Jesus by your request and your prayer. He may not answer it the way that you want him to and the the timing that you want him to, but know that in Christ we can approach him at any time and you don't bother him. Number two, Jesus moves towards you in your need. Jesus moves towards you in your need. So, so often when we have a need, something going on, something that we struggle with, right? Sometimes people pull away from us. That's not God. That's not our God. He steps into those things. He walks towards us. He comes near you. It says that God is near the brokenhearted. He's, he draws near to us in our need. He doesn't back away. He comes closer. He comes closer. I was meeting with a friend earlier this week, and we were talking about trials that we had gone through recently, and both of us have had um, a lot of things happen in our lives and different things going on, and we were talking about how hard and difficult some of these things have been. And my friend said, but you know what, Steve? He goes, I see Jesus in those places like I never see him anywhere else. And I'm so grateful. Know that Jesus doesn't abandon us or forsake us. He actually steps near us. Number three, you bring what you have and Jesus will bring the increase. You bring what you have and Jesus will bring the increase. You might think, I just, I'm not good enough. I'm not smart enough. And not even some people like me. I'm, I'm just this. I'm just, I don't have a voice. I don't have a following. I don't have influence. I don't have, I don't have, I don't Bring what you do have and watch what God does with what you have. Watch with what God does with what you have. There's been many times in my life when I thought, man, I'm not qualified for this. I don't, I'm not good enough. I'm not, I don't have these kinds of things. Even in ministry, I got into ministry in a way that was rather unorthodox. And because of that, my path has been different than what would be considered traditional. And 
how I got here was a way that was just odd. It's just that. But because of those things, like I have never been to seminary, okay? So I'm not, like, I think seminaries are great. I think there's lots of really good seminaries out there. I think there's lots of people who do. I just, the path that God had me on, I was discipled uh, very intentionally in the local church. And then when it was time to launch out, like, I had people say, yeah. And for the longest time, people were like, oh, you're where did you go to seminary? And I used to get defensive or I used to get scared. I'd be like, well, I don't have the." And finally got to the place where God's like, well, why don't you just bring it to me and let me work? And I think it's great that people do. I think it's great that people get education. It's, it's just, just the way that it all played out. And God's just like, just bring what you have. Bring what you have and I'll do the rest. So friends, just bring what you have to Jesus and let him do with it what you will, what he will. Number four, only the Lord satisfies your needs. Only the Lord satisfies your needs. These people had physical ailments, he healed them. He had, they had uh, hunger, he fed them. What ails you? What do you hunger for? Jesus says that he, he told the woman that if you drink the water that he gives, you'll never thirst again. He says that he is the bread of life. He's the one that sustains us. He's the one that truly satisfies our soul. And maybe you're thinking, man, I've, I, if I could just get that promotion, or if I just got that internship, or if I just got that girl, or if I just got that guy, or if I just got that car, or if I just got, right, whatever it is, if I just had this, then... Friends, I'm here to tell you that Jesus is the one that will only truly satisfy. He satisfied the people here and he could satisfy you. And so with these lessons, what do we learn? How do, where do we go from here? What are our num- next steps? Number one, bring your needs to Jesus. Bring your needs to Jesus. Approach the throne of grace with confidence. Say, Jesus, these are my needs this is, where, this is where I struggle. This is where I'm hurting. You're not gonna bother him, remember? So just bring it all to him. Bring all your needs to Jesus. Number two, bring your resources to Jesus. Bring, your, bring everything you have to Jesus. Your time, your talent, your treasures, bring them to Jesus. Number three, give your life to Jesus. Bring your need, bring your treasure, and give your life. Give your life to Jesus and say, how would you use this, Lord? I have five loaves and I have two fish. And Jesus says, bring them here to me. Just bring what you have and give your life to Jesus and say, Lord, however you see fit, use me. And number four, participate in communion with Jesus. Delight in his presence. Feel his compassion. Know his love for you. Just delight in that. Because Jesus' compassion brings satisfaction. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I thank you so much for today.
I thank you for this opportunity to share the word of God. I thank you, God, that's amazing what you did that day when you fed 5,000 men plus women plus children with five loaves and two fish. It is miraculous. You are the God of abundance and you are the God who lavishes compassion and grace and mercy upon your people. And God, I pray today that we would be satisfied in you, that, that we would make room for you, and that we would be satisfied. God, I pray that we would trust you and know you. And Lord, that we would experience your compassion. I pray that everyone hearing this message today would know and experience the compassion of Jesus on them today. And Lord, that we would enjoy your presence. It is just good to be in your presence. Help us to just enjoy you. We didn't work for our salvation. We just trust you. And by being brought in, we can enjoy you. So Lord, let us just sit and commune with you and enjoy your presence and experience your compassion and that it would satisfy our souls. In Jesus' mighty name, amen.